Hey guys, this is the Power of Oxygen First podcast, and I'm your host, Dot Rock. I am an entrepreneur, a mom, a stepmom, and a scaling consultant who is obsessed with the art of hiring support and that dirty word we call delegation. I'm a recovering perfectionist who pushed my body and my limits to the extreme until one fateful day, I learned that just like pilots, I needed to take care of myself first. This podcast is all about the journey to healing, to getting clear on the desires of your heart, stepping into them with courage, and leaning into and asking for support. I hope you feel inspired to do less, to follow your passions, and infuse them into your daily life and truly claim the life you were meant to live. Hi, this is Dot Rock. And here we are for the Power of Oxygen First podcast. This is officially our first episode, and I am just so excited to get started um, on this journey with you to share my history and my story about how the Power of Oxygen First has truly changed and transformed my life. So I want to back up just a little bit and just kind of let you know where this whole idea started out. And, um, well, let's go back a number of years. Right now, let's say, if we're looking at the current moment, I have a 10-year-old little boy, and now I also have a stepson who's 11. They're five months apart. They're step twins. They're fifth grade boys. And let's rewind quite a bit because this didn't used to be my life. I didn't used to own my own business. I didn't used to work from home. I didn't used to like have this much joy or this much freedom in my life. And so let's go back to, I was a single mom, a solo parent. I had been married when I had my son and we divorced when he was one. Um, And he and I moved from Tucson, Arizona back to Durango, Colorado, where I had gone to high school and college or part of college. I move around a lot. You'll hear these stories over time. But we had moved here and it was just he and I and we were we were getting through life. And one of my dear friends, Mike Rock, that's where the dot rock comes from, is um, a really wise man, one of my closest friends. And he had been saying to me repeatedly, very often, as he watched my journey of solo parenting, Dot, do not forget, you have to put your oxygen mask on first when you are a pilot. Now, yes, I am a pilot, a private pilot. I don't fly airplanes commercially. I fly for fun. It was the dream of my life, and it's something that I um, ventured into in my 20s, and here I am in my 40s. I actually have not flown in a couple of years just because of how life goes, Um, and I'm looking to buy a plane instead of renting one. But I will get back into it. But I was a pilot at the time, and he also is someone who was a pilot. And he said, Dot, when you're flying an airplane and you're the actual pilot, what happens if there's an issue and you have to put oxygen mask on? Who do you put it on first? And I was like, well, duh, you put it on yourself. Because I'm the only person in the plane that can land the plane. The passengers can't land it. Like, they really depend on me to stay alive. So he's like, exactly, you put your oxygen mask on first, and then you put your oxygen mask on the passengers, and you land the plane. And he's like, you have to do that as a parent. You have to take care of yourself first. You know, and when he said that to me, I really felt like that was just like, 
logistically, operationally taking care of myself first. And I think that meaning has gone a lot deeper over time as I've gone from living in survival, which is definitely where I was at the time, to um, a thriving, abundant state of life where I feel like I am now. And so at the time, I just thought he meant like get my sleep and, and eat and exercise and, you know, not like chase the joy of my life and go on adventures and all of this. But it, I really took it to heart. So here I was trying to incorporate this in my life. I had a, about a three-year-old little boy at this point when the, the incident happened for me that was really transforming. And um, I was working in a job at a rocket engine test facility. It was a grueling job. I was dropping off my son at daycare at 7.30 in the morning. I was picking him up at 5.30 at night. I was the first to drop off and the last to pick up. We were coming home. I was making him all of his food from scratch because he had all kinds of allergies. Dominic was allergic to dairy, gluten, Soy, nuts, citrus, apples, beef, eggs. Might as well just add air in there because that's what it felt like. Um, He couldn't have any additives. He just was very sensitive. And so here I was making everything from scratch and doing it all. And quite honestly, to most people, I looked successful. I had a great job that actually in many ways I enjoyed. Um... It wasn't the healthiest work environment, but I really enjoyed that job. And I was fit and I looked healthy. Yes, of course, I looked tired. Like looking back, I can see that in pictures. I remember being very tired because Dominic did not sleep through the night till he was four and a half. So it was that phase of my life where I was doing all of that, but I was getting up at four in the morning to work out. I was also staying up till 12 or 1 to work um, after I put him to bed. He woke up quite a few times throughout the night up until he was four and a half years old. And yes, I did all the sleep training things. It was medical stuff. He had some medical issues and it caused a lot of pain at night. And we tried a lot of things and we had a lot of medications. And it wasn't absolutely every night that he got up that much, but he didn't sleep through the night till he was four and a half. So my wild dreams of having an infant that would sleep through the night by the time they're about six weeks were definitely crushed. So here I am trying to raise my son, work hard, go after my dreams, work out every day. And to most people looked pretty successful. And I feel like in many ways I was doing great. So at the time, one of my biggest passions and still one of my biggest passions, even though I don't do it all the time, was flying airplanes. And here I was flying an airplane with my instructor and then he got out of the airplane to let me do touch and goes, which are essentially when you just like, you're flying the airplane and you go up into the traffic pattern and you fly around the airport and then you come in for landing and then you don't come to a full stop and you, um, or you do go to, come to a full stop and then you take back off. But I was doing touch and goes, which means you touch down and then you full throttle back up and fly back into the um, into the airspace. And so it's something that I love to do. And 
you know, I'm flying. It was a beautiful day. I believe it was a fall day. I don't exactly know. I could probably look it up. But the point is, is I came in for landing and it went horribly wrong. I smashed the front of the plane, the nose, really hard. I thought I smashed the propeller. And before you know it, I was about to fly off of the edge of the runway, which I live in Colorado. It's on a mountain. You know, it's on a mesa. Um, But it's up there. And so if you go off the edge, you're like going off of a cliff, essentially. And so I'm here at the end of the runway. I smash. I'm about to run out of runway. And I have to take back off and get in the air. I do an emergency call to say like, are there, ask if there's flames in the engine. Cause I'm sure that I've ruined the airplane and I'm going to die. Like I really was like, Oh my God, I'm dying. We're going to, I'm going to, this is where I'm going to crash. There's no way to pull it out. All the things, everything's flashing before my eyes. The, um, the FBO gets back, that's the fixed base operator, they get back on the radio and they say, Dot, everything's fine. You just hit really hard. You just need to get back in the airspace, go around, and land the airplane. And so here I was, I had about five minutes to get, climb back up to altitude, to go through my checklist, and to land the airplane, and to get my shit together, quite honestly. And it was the longest five minutes of my entire life and everything flashed before me and I was able to take a really quick inventory of what was going right and what was not going right because what I realized was I was so misaligned that I didn't even realize I was that far down the runway. I didn't even realize I was coming in that fast. I wasn't even paying that much attention somehow to landing an airplane. And it wasn't just because I was nervous. It was because I had too much stress in my life. And that was real. And I was carrying too much. And I was holding too much. And I wasn't processing so many little T traumas and big T traumas that had occurred in my life. And I really wasn't taking care of myself first. And so I did this inventory and I, I did some breath work, (laughs) breathing to get it to the, get my body to the place where I could land that plane. I landed the plane, got out of the airplane and immediately started making changes before I even got off the runway, I believe I called or text whoever I was dating. I don't actually remember. That's a little bit blocked out. But I did break up with whoever I was dating because I knew they were not aligned and that was not going to be like long-term awesomeness. And um, then I just started to do an inventory of my life from there. And I just started to like make changes And the next real change that occurred was quitting that job. Um, That job was, the business was going out of business anyway. Um, And so I wrapped things up there and started looking for a new job. The new job that came to me. So that old job was um, a finance manager of a rocket engine test facility. I'm a CPA. I have a background in financial statement audits. So a lot of background in financial statements and numbers and historical figures and all of that. Well, 
at the Rocket Engine place, I had done a lot of HR work. And I had done a lot of HR work in other jobs as well previously. Where I work with HR significantly. And so I'd overseen HR quite a bit. But my next job that I took after this one was um, Director of Human Resources for a school district. And it oversaw payroll. Um, This lady that I knew really thought that I would be a great fit and encouraged me to take that job. And I took that over a couple of other accounting jobs that I had been offered because it aligned better with the life that I wanted to lead. And it aligned with dropping off Dominic and picking him up and being available for him. It was a school district, which meant I got all of the major holidays off. I got two weeks off at Christmas, a week off at Thanksgiving, a week off for spring break. And it meant that on holidays and all of those days that daycares closed, I would get to just be with Dominic and not be coordinating care for him. As a solo parent, his dad, yes, is involved in his life, but he doesn't live in the same city as us. And he comes to visit. And at the time, he came to visit pretty haphazardly, so it wasn't routine. And I needed that time to not always be looking for childcare. It's so stressful to constantly look for childcare. So I took that job. I took this leap of faith, and I'm like, HR, really? But I had this real love. I got pretty clear on this. I had this real love for people and this real love for The fact that 85% of organizations' expenses, 85% of most businesses' expenses are its people. And so that is where you can make the most change. And I love talking to people and I love figuring out where they would be more efficient or effective in an organization and moving them around. So it was a good fit and I still oversaw payroll um, and all of that. I ended up leaving that job about four years later maybe five years later, I don't know exactly. Um, And at the time it was time to leave. But for, for a lot of the time I was there, it was a wonderful fit and it was a true blessing in Dominic and I's life together. So that's one of the things I took inventory of. It was out of alignment and I fixed. The next major thing was I had experienced hip pain for at least 12 years, maybe longer. Around the, This is when I was around 33 years old, 34 years old, I believe. And I had experienced hip pain since my late teens that I recall. I remember being in my first boot camp class and it just being really painful to do squats, but in the front of my hip. And I wondered why people said it hurt their butt. So it ended up that I needed a hip surgery. So I... I started going down that path to figure out what I needed to do for that. And that hip surgery turned out to be absolutely life-changing. It released so much pain um, and trauma from my life, and it really set me on this healing journey. So, but that is where it really switched for me. So I took the new job. Within just a few weeks of the new job is when I had my hip surgery scheduled. They were supportive of me doing that. Um, and I had hip surgery immediately at this new job, but I had to lean into changing my relationship with support. And what that looked like is about two days before my hip surgery, my mom called 
and said she wasn't going to be able to come help take care of Dominic or take care of me during my surgery. And maybe I should just reschedule. Well, it was this major surgery. I, for insurance purposes, that was not going to work to reschedule. I was on Cobra at my old job still. And, you know, I needed to just get it done. And I knew in my heart that I had to do that surgery in order to move forward in my life. So I went to my therapist, which that's another thing I started after the, what I'll call plane crash, that defining moment of oxygen first. And I went to my therapist and I told her the dilemma. I'm like, I don't have anybody. I didn't have a boyfriend. I, I, you know, was a single mom and I needed help. And she said, Dot, you have to make a list of people who you think will show up for you. And you have to make a list of things you need help with. And you have to ask those specific people for help. And guess what? You can change this story. People will show up for you. And they did. People brought me food. People, um, one lady stayed with me. I hired her actually to stay with me for a week in Denver where I had my surgery. Um, My sister-in-law flew out out of the kindness of her heart. She brought her two little boys. Dominic was three, I think, or four at the time. And she had a three-year-old and a five-year-old. So she had three, four, and five all together, the little boys. Um, And she stayed for two weeks and helped with Dominic. And she took care of me once I got home. Um... And all of this stuff, people brought me food, people brought me groceries. One friend drove me to and from work once, I think I took off two weeks of work and after that, until I could drive, I wasn't able to, I had to relearn to walk at six weeks in. So I had all this time that I needed to be at work. She drove me to work for, I believe, four weeks before I could drive She drove me to and from work 30 minutes both ways. And we had the most lovely time together. And it was so powerful for our relationship. And then I had another friend who used to be a neighbor of mine, Don. And he drove me to physical therapy a couple of times a week and brought me home. And he died about two years later of sudden brain cancer, and I am so grateful for that time that we spent together. But where that came from was because I asked for support. He was given the gift of showing up for me. Um, Another thing that I did through this healing journey was read a book called The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer. And this book is about the beautiful exchange of energy that happens when we ask for something and someone gives it to us. So that is where this whole idea of asking for and receiving support came from. And that is, all of this started because of what Mike Rock said to me, oxygen first as a pilot, me having an issue as a pilot and needing to really put on oxygen first in my life and it was this ripple effect. And now I am so, so passionate about helping entrepreneurs and businesses lean into the art of receiving support and 
what that looks like and hiring teams and firing teams and building their dream teams and all of this. But it started with my journey of how to put my oxygen mask on first. So this whole podcast is all about this journey and all of the things along the way that I have learned on how to take better care of myself and how to nurture my spirit and how to show up for myself and put myself first so that I can pour from a full cup into my family and into those around me and really have the impact in this world that I want to have. So that is what this podcast is about and I am so excited to share it with you. I am so excited to hear from you about what parts of this light your soul on fire and just be here for this journey. So thank you for listening and until next time, have a happy adventurous day out there. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to another episode of the Power of Oxygen First podcast. I hope you walk away feeling inspired to do less, to follow your passions and infuse them into your daily life and truly claim the life you were meant to live. And I hope that you start leaning into the art of receiving support. I'm here to support you on that journey. Find me at dotrockconsulting.com or dot underscore rock underscore on Instagram. I'd love it if you'd go follow me and shoot me a quick DM and let me know what takeaway from this episode hit you the hardest. Sending you love and adventures on this beautiful day.